for our second message, Mr. Steve Andrews, entitled Heart Health. Well, greetings, brethren. In, um, in my work, um, which I'm somewhat semi-retired from, uh, good or bad, I don't know. In my work, there's a, there's a lot of pumps that we use. And here's some names. <laughs> These pumps, duplex pump, triplex pump, centrifugal pump, gear pump, hydraulic pump. All of these pumps were engineered for their specific, if I can say that, specific purpose. Well, everyone in this room has another pump. It's a little one, sits right about here, about your breastbone, right behind you, your breastbone there. And it pumps, I, I went ahead and tried to calculate this, if you have 70 beats per minute, <laughs> some do, some don't, uh, it varies. Do you realize that in one day that little pump has pumped 100,800 beats per minute? Well, if you calculate that out, that little pump has gone 36,792,000 beats per minute. What a wonderful engineering piece of wonderful thing there is. Now, I've got a three minute, um, close to three minutes, two minutes and 57 seconds, that I would like for you to watch this beautiful and wonderful engineering um, pump at work. Now, don't get too squeamish. This is a um, 3D animation. It's, it's not the real thing. It's not somebody that's opened it up and watched it <laughs> working. So if you wouldn't mind, um, um, Brian, let's, let's look at that 3D pump just for about three minutes here. The heart is a muscle about the size of your fist. It lies behind and to the left of your breastbone or sternum. The purpose of the heart is to pump blood through blood vessels, arteries, and veins to all parts of your body. The inside of the heart is divided into four chambers. The top two chambers are called the atria and are collection chambers for blood. The bottom two chambers are called the ventricles and receive the blood from the atria and pump it to the lungs and the body. The chambers are separated by valves which control the direction of blood flow. There are four valves, tricuspid, pulmonic, mitral, and aortic. Circulation begins at the right side of the heart, where blood from the body comes to the right atrium. This blood passes to the right ventricle, where it is pumped to the lungs to receive oxygen. Once it receives oxygen, it flows to the left atrium, and then to the left ventricle, where it is pumped to the aorta and the rest of the body. On the right side of the heart, the tricuspid valve separates the right atrium and the right ventricle, allowing blood to enter the ventricle but not flow backwards to the atrium. Blood flows through the pulmonic valve to go to the lungs. On the left side of the heart, the mitral valve separates the left atrium and the left ventricle. Blood flows from the left ventricle to the aorta through the aortic valve and to the rest of the body. Arteries carry blood with oxygen and other nutrients throughout the body. Veins take blood back to the heart, which pumps it to the lungs to be oxygenated. The heart arteries, coronary arteries, provide oxygen and nutrients to the heart muscle. The right coronary artery supplies blood to the bottom and the back of the heart. The left coronary artery splits into two vessels. One branch supplies blood to the front of the heart, the other branch delivers blood to the left side of the heart. An electric system transmits signals throughout the heart to control its pumping. The electrical signal starts in the sinoatrial or SA node, which is located in the upper portion of the right atrium and is known as the natural pacemaker of the heart. The electrical signal passes down to the lower chambers of the heart via the atrioventricular or AV node which controls the signals so the atria contract before the ventricles. In the ventricles, pathways carry the signal throughout the muscle 
so that they contract at the same time to pump blood to the lungs and through the body. Evolutionists still try to figure out how to make that work. <laughs> what a marvelous thing that God has created in our bodies. It's interesting also that he uses the heart in a spiritual way also in the Bible. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the spiritual heart. And it's interesting that the same one that created the physical heart also is the doctor that tests and checks the pulse of the spiritual heart. He goes over there and you know how the doctor does uh, and counts those beats. Well, God is counting the beats, not only of our individual hearts, but of collectively too. Let's look at that because way back when, in a time far, far back in Genesis, the sixth chapter, God was checking the heart of the nations that existed before the flood. And in Genesis, the uh, sixth chapter, just two verses here, five and six, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and grieved him in his heart. In recent weeks, we have talked about the conscience, the spirit, the emotions, and the different things that make up human beings. Today we're going to talk about where all that resides, because God has revealed it in his, in his book, this book called the Bible, that we call the Bible, that all of those things are in this thing called the spiritual heart. They reside there. And this heart is something that God can look at, as he did with that. Nations, all nations, their hearts are open to God. He can see and look into them. We'll see that a little later in, the, in, the, in this message today. But I, want, I wanted to, to open up with this particular one because realizing that God can look out and see the nations and see what's going on and see even in the hearts of men and the wickedness and things and also the goodness in those that are doing good. And we're hoping that our hearts that go before God are, are showing Him that we're we're trying that we're we're being um, that we're that they're beating in the right way, uh, and that they they're, they're not um, about ready to die. It does say though in the Bible that the heart has a problem, and that is is that and, and the spiritual heart has a problem, and it's in Jeremiah the seventeenth chapter, and it's kind of interesting that God wants to reveal to us that um, we need some we need some some heart. Um, operation. He says in chapter 17 and beginning in verse 9 and 10, just 9 and 10, he says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So God reveals this. It, the, the heart is, all this inner workings inside of us is, is deceitful <laughs> and wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to every man according to, the way, to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. God knows every individual on this earth that's alive today because of their heart, because of the spiritual heart. What resides in the spiritual heart? He understands, he knows, he sees. We're facing, and I wonder, as I was working through this, I was, got to thinking about some of the things that were going on in the world today. And, and really, if you read much of the news, it begins to really disturb you. I know that uh, the nations are beginning, some, some movements are beginning in the nations themselves. And I, I, 
Now, I'm not really up on a lot of the prophecies and things, but when I see the emotional changes and the, and the, um, and the evil that is beginning in the world, it kind, of, it kind of comes home, doesn't it? For instance, in the, the, the um, um, civil war in Syria, what's going on? Thousands upon thousands are moving out of that, uh, of that uh, country there. Mainly because they're being killed, Christians are being uh, slaughtered. Um, he's even using chemical weapons on them. They've even found out that they're running around with helicopters with barrels and they're kicking them off of the helicopters and, and, and killing them with shrapnel and, and different chemicals. It's horrible what's going on in, in, in the world and how even the, the own, their own people, they are slaughtering and killing in the Middle East, in that particular part of the world. Well, what's happening is now they are moving out of there. There is a great migration. Many of those that have um, tried to escape that, and they're moving into Europe, and they're wanting to, to move into the European countries. And it's interesting that now the face of the world is beginning to change, isn't it? Things are beginning to change. Migrations of these different ethnic groups are beginning to come in to the, to the various um, nations such as uh, Germany and, and, uh, and Great Britain and all of those European nations over there. And also now the, our president wants to bring the Syrians into this nation. And of course we're raising a great stink over it, and we don't want them in here, but still, it's, it's, it's happening. It's, it's, it's happening. So, what we see is uh, things that are happening in the world. In the United States, of course, uh, we, we have the, the great 2016 presidential race going on and, and all the rhetoric that goes with that. And, you know, and we won't go into all the different things, but we understand that the, the, the that the political things that are going on also are being overshadowed by some of the, the um, uh, not, um, moral things, such as gay marriage, um, such as abortion, and different things. And it's overshadowing a lot of the situations that are going on uh, in, our, in our own uh, country. It's interesting also that men and women are for whatever reason, are losing morality. You know, the, the Duggars, their big family, all of a sudden have found out one of their sons is, is, um, is an adulterer. So it's just, just the way it is. He's, he's even admitted it. And it's, it's happening a lot of families and a lot of people. Women are giving up their family to, to just do whatever they want or to, to, to go out and, and be an adulteress. Uh, immorality is happening in the world. Immorality is happening in our own nation. Immorality is happening in our own city. We're seeing a lot of shootings and drive-by shootings and different things that we never saw before. What's going on? What's happening? Well, the heart of men, as it says, is deceitfully wicked. And if it doesn't have a heart transplant, if it doesn't have a heart transplant, it gets worse and worse and worse. What God wants us to understand is that unless it's changed, that the, the immorality will continue on. In Proverbs, the uh, 23rd chapter, the last time I turned, I actually ended up in Psalms 23, and I realized that wasn't the place to be, as that wouldn't help me any, but it's a beautiful psalm. We know that. But in Proverbs, the 23rd chapter, also very wise sayings here, beginning in verse uh, 6 and 7. Proverbs 23, 6 and 7. He's, and, and understand this. this uh, there's been a book written um, about this one verse. And it is so true. But in a sense, these two verses are essentially negative. <laughs> they're talking about, whoa, don't get near this guy. Here's what it says. Eat you not the bread of him that has an evil eye, neither desire you his dainty meats. Oh boy, beware of this guy, because he's, 
He's really bad. He's really, he's really uh, uh, has, a, has a problem. Because, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. This is where all of the emotions, all of the character, all of those things are laid up in the spiritual heart. And so if it's wicked and evil, then it's going to be wicked and evil. And it's going to pour forth out of that person. He says, Because as a man thinketh, so is he. Eat and drink, says he to you, but his heart is not with you. And I didn't have this one down. The morsel which you have eaten shall you vomit up and lose your sweet words. In other words, if you do sit down and partake of the evil with this person, you will also um, regret it. Uh, maybe very violently regret it, because that's what vomiting is, something violent coming out of your system. So we understand that. So what we need is we need to get closer to God. We need a heart transplant. Matthew 5, verse 7. It says, it says, and I'll get over here real quick. I think I'll just read. Blessed are the merciful for, well, 5 or 7? I think that's not the one I want. I gave that to him, but I think it's another one I want. Let's see if I can find one of them. Which one I, sorry about that, Brian. Sometimes I uh, get a little bit uh, ahead of myself. 5 and verse... Um, It's verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So we need, a, we need a transplant to give us a pure heart. We need, we need a transplant to give us a pure heart. Remember what Jesus said when he came to the when he started his ministry. Repent, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. For all the time he was preaching the kingdom of God. He was preaching the change in character, in nature of, of the human being, of the human heart. Of changing those things. The evil that can reside in it needs to be expunged. You need to have a different heart. So, how do we do that? We serve God with our whole heart. We go back to the Old Testament in Deuteronomy, the 11th chapter. So these are beautiful scriptures, and they're, they help us to understand how we can get closer to God, how we can have a pure heart, so that we someday, in the kingdom, can see God. That's our hope, isn't it? To be in the kingdom, to be a part of that wonderful blessing of being there with Jesus Christ and God the Father. In Deuteronomy, the 11th chapter, and beginning in, in verse 13. And it shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently unto my commands, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. He says that I will give you rain in your land and due season and all of that. But the point is, is that we are to serve God with our whole heart. We are to give our whole being over to God. Also, in Matthew, the, in Deuteronomy, the, the sixth chapter, in verse 5, 6 and verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And he says, and these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently unto your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk in your way and when you lie us down and when you rise up. How important it is that we bring this information so that our children's hearts can have the purity. We want our children in the kingdom of God, don't we? We want them to be with us in that kingdom. We want them to be a part of it. So we must teach them from the beginning. We must help them to understand that God, in the heart, is keeping it pure and clean. And He is the doctor. <laughs> He's the doctor. He's the one that checks our pulse, that 
understands our heart. Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Matthew 22. I can find Matthew 22. And beginning in uh, verse 34. Matthew 22, beginning in verse 34. When the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to science, they were gathered together, and then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Well, that's interesting how Jesus answered him. He went back. Where? <laughs> to the Old Testament, to the Deuteronomy, he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Lumping all of those commandments together is in the heart, the love of God. In the heart, the love of God. And the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. These two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And so we see that Jesus understood that to really have that pure heart, we had to have the love of God and the love of, of, of humanity. Because God loves all. He, doesn't, he hates sin. He hates the sin that's in the world. But He loves His creation. I mean, he, look at the heart that He gave us that beats and beats for, you know, 70, 80 years now. Some people have problems. Of course, we understand that. Diet, um, you know, different things affect the heart. Different things um, affect how the heart, I mean, even um, your own genetic makeup can affect your heart. I mean, I, my dad had a heart attack, so I don't know whether I am do one or not. I'm hoping not. I've always had fairly low, you know, good blood pressure and all of that. Uh, the doctor, if I go in there and he... Uh, sit down and he'll put that cuff on. Actually, the nurse will do it first. And if she doesn't get it right, he'll come in there and do it again. <laughs> and he wants to know. That's one of the interesting things about um, if you have a good doctor. They'll want to know that whether you've really changed or not. Anyway, he's, the point is that, that it is that heart, the love of God, that must be in the heart. And you must have that um, totally a part of your, your, your life, or at least working towards that. Now, Mark, the 12th chapter. Let's go Mark, the 12th chapter. I'm going to get too far off base here. <laughs> yeah, I can do that pretty easily. Mark 12, and, and beginning in verse 28. Verse 28. And one of the scribes came, and having heard him them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, and asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And, and Jesus answered, The first of all the commandments is here, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. So Mark adds, with all your strength. That means you, you put your whole body, everything, into your love for God. You know, when you come to God, and you come to His... He's called you. He's brought you along. It is. It, it's a calling for life. It's not a. It's not a. Oh well, I'm. I'm in here just for the, for the fun of it, or uh, for the uh, for the people that are in here, or whatever. It's a calling for life. It's a calling in, from, uh, the, just like the uh, the marriage ceremony to death do you part. Well, when death comes, and we have the spirit of God. We don't part, we become a part of God's great kingdom because we've had the heart transplant and God has taken care of us. He says, and the second is like, and namely this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's another of the commandment greater than these. So he's, he puts all of it down into two commandments of love for God and love for neighbor. And we truly can understand how potent love for God and love for neighbor can be. Um, it's a great mover in our life. Let's look in, back to Deuteronomy, the 26th chapter now. 
as we see again that Moses writes down this particular verse, verse 16. This day, the Lord your God, verse 16, the Lord your God has commanded you to do this, these statutes, judgments. You shall therefore keep and do them with all thine heart and with all thine, all thy soul. You shall keep them and do them with all your heart and with all your soul. I don't think any of us really put that much effort into those, but that is what God wants us to do. He wants us to love Him with everything we have, and He wants us to put all of our effort into that love, and it all be residing in that renewed heart, that transplanted heart that we have, that's beating, a spiritual beating. I don't know how fast the spiritual heart beats. <laughs> It'd be interesting to know. Maybe it's faster. You know, bring all that information, all that glory, all that wonder into our heart, into the true heart, that spiritual heart. The second, you know, because the other heart eventually will give out with age, and, and we will die with it. Second Corinthians three verse three. Here's something that. We must have also. I didn't give this to, to um, Brian, but maybe he could find it. Um, because I just thought of it as I was sitting out there in the, uh, as I was listening to Doyle's message, it came to me. I've almost forgot it, and this is very important scripture, and one that you should really know. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, uh, let's see if this is right. Yes, here it is. Um, I might start in verse 1. Do we again, we begin again to command ourselves, and, or need we, as some others, uh, epistles of condemnation in you, or letters of condemnation from you? You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. So he's, he says, These, you're so precious to us, you're so important to us, because God has sent us to you. You know, as, as God's children, we are precious to God. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the, the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. So when God begins to work with us, that's where he writes his commandments. It's where he writes his uh, glorious and tr truth about the kingdom of God. That's where he writes about the Sabbath and the holy days and helping us to understand how important they are to God and why we should keep them. That's where he also writes about how important it is to love one another, to love your spouse, to love your children, to reach out to them and, and, and really help them to understand how God loves each and every one of us, and especially loves his children that he's called and the children of his children that he's called. You know, he puts a lot of protection around your children because you've been called and you're baptized and you're his, his, his special calling. In Joel, the second chapter, God reaches out to all of mankind. Turn to God. Turn to God. If we're a sinner, if we've sinned, or if we're having problems, we need to turn to God. I picked Joel because I thought it was quite interesting how he reaches out to his people. Joel, the second chapter, in verse 12. He says, therefore also now, says the Lord, turn you even to me with all your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. And rend your heart and not your garments. You know, the great thing in the Old Testament, you read a lot about that whenever they had a death or they had a, a, a tragedy or something, they would rend their garments. They would literally rip those garments 
I don't know if they ripped them all the way off or not, but they would rip those garments. And then they might, you know, they would fast and they would sit in ashes and everything. And God says, no, don't rip, rend your garments, rend your heart. That place, that seat where the Spirit dwells, where your character dwells, rend it. Help it to, to, for you to see the evil that's there or, and to be mended and to be cleansed and to be uh, uh, anything and everything that God can do to, 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 to bring it back to a good, clean heart. He says, uh, rend your heart, not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God. For He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repents him of the evil. Now, if we've if we've been sinning, if we've had problems, and we've you know, we've kind of been under the the <laughs> the problems with this, the sinfulness in our life, we can we can ask God to forgive us, and God is merciful. We can turn to God; He's merciful. He loves us so much. Come to Him, rend our hearts, not the garments. Now, I I have some. If <laughs> this study is is a very large study. And if you ever go in there to look at the word heart and hearts, um, there's a lot of places in there because God uses it a lot to convey the importance of the heart and how he works in that heart and in the individuals in their heart. So I, I picked the Proverbs instead of the Psalms. Uh, David and, and all the psalmists also wrote a lot about the heart but I picked the Proverbs, and I have a few of them here that I'd like to read through because they, they do go along with what I'm uh, talking about today. And they do help us to understand a little bit more about God and what He wants us um, to be like and what our hearts are to be like. In Proverbs, the second chapter, beginning of verse 10, we read these, verse, these readings. When wisdom enters into your heart and knowledge is pleasant unto your soul... Discretion shall preserve you. Understanding shall keep you. To deliver you from the way of evil of the evil man and from the man that speaks forward things who, who leave the paths of unrighteousness, unrightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil and delight in the forwardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and they, uh, they forward in their paths to deliver you from the strange woman, and I'll stop right there. I mean, it goes on and on and on, but I think, you, I think you get the point. I think you get the point. When, you're, when your very being says this is wrong, then it's wrong, because God is talking to your heart. He's talking to you. He's helping you to understand that you're not to go with these, these people. I mean, I, it's just, it just grieves me when I read about Two young people at 22 years old that, that just wiped out two people in, a, in, in Bristow. They're now in, in jail for the rest, probably for the rest of their life because they're going to be, they're, they're going to be uh, um, indicted for murder and then convicted probably for murder. Both of them, a man and, and a woman, 22 years old, both of them. And they just went in and killed two people. How does it happen? That these young people, these young aged people, their hearts are so wicked at such a young age. When I was that age, I was thinking about marriage and, and, and children and, and all the wonderful things that, that could come. And being in God's kingdom and being a part of God's work. I wasn't thinking about those kind of things. They were so far from my, my, my mind. And yet today, it seems like there's so many that are so filled with these kind of things. Proverbs 3 is just right, right, maybe on the next page, which is mine. My son, forget not my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. As you teach your children, you might teach them that way. My son, these commandments, God has showed me that they're right and they're good if you live by them, if you keep the Sabbath, if you don't steal you don't commit adultery. These are good things. So, my son, put them in your heart. Let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace 
shall they add to you, it says. Long life and peace. When we understand God's word, we understand we keep it in our hearts and we are a part of it, I think it does give us a comfort and, a, and, a, and something that is so profound because he's working with us. In Romans and in, in Proverbs the sixth chapter, again in Proverbs the sixth chapter, beginning of verse 16. <laughs> I look at these and I think about sometimes how uh, we um, how some of these we violated even after we've been into the church and how the churches have violated these things. These are the seven things that God hates. Six things, verse six, uh, 16. Six things does God hate. Yea, seven are abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, and a heart that devises wicked imaginations. Boy, if, if our heart is sitting around trying to think of ways, one, to get money out of people, or um, you know, that we um, ought to kill somebody, or that um, you know, any, many and different things, we're devising some wicked thing. God sees it. I'm telling you, God knows man's heart. He knows our hearts. He would not have destroyed that first world if he did not see the wicked hearts of all those that lived at that time. He was able to see the collective heart and he was able to say, as a, as a doctor, you all are dead. Your hearts are wicked and awful. God hates these seven things. Feet that are swift running to mischief, a false witness that speaks lies, and he that sows discord among brethren. All of those things God hates and thinks that are, and he calls them an abomination. When God calls things an abomination, that's pretty serious. That's pretty serious. In Proverbs, the 11th chapter, Proverbs 11, in verse 20, they that are of a forward heart are abomination to the Lord. But such as upright in their way are his delight. Now, I, I didn't... And I think that means wicked heart, uh, deceitful heart. It has many different meanings to it. But that, that's a heart that he really does not, um, he, he thinks it is an abomination. So, we don't want that kind of heart. We don't want that a part of us. In Proverbs, the 12th chapter, in verse 8, A man shall be commended according to his wisdom, but he that is of a perverse heart shall be despised. And I think, we, I think sometimes we can actually recognize that in the people in the world sometimes, can't we? We can see those with perverse hearts that uh, maybe they're always angry. Uh, they're always um, um, boastful or, or proud or many different things that we can actually recognize in people in the world. And we can actually see that because God has given us wisdom. He's given us wisdom to be able to see those things in others. And um, sometimes we, yeah, okay, that's fine. You want to be that way. You know, we kind of step aside because we don't know if somebody's going to be violent enough in this society to want to, to, want to destroy us. It's interesting that in our own neighborhood over there right off of uh, Harvard, um, I guess guy was just walking along. Now the guy came up on him and they started arguing for a minute and the other guy pulled the gun out and shot him. I mean, the other guy didn't have a gun or nothing. I don't know if they found him or not, but, and I don't remember whether he's dead or whether he, he survived it, but, I mean, you have wicked people in the world today that just as soon shoot you as to, as to talk to you. And they get violent real quickly. Why? Because I think Satan is really working in the hearts of men, deceiving even more, because he's the great deceiver.
So we're seeing it being fomented greater and greater in that direction. Be careful, brethren. What's to say? Be harmless as, uh, as, um, as doves and, and wise as serpents and harmless as doves. That's what we should be. 16. Proverbs 16, beginning of verse 5. Everyone that is proud in the heart is an abomination to the Lord. <laughs> it's pretty plain, isn't it? Everybody that's proud in the heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand joined to hand, he shall not be unpunished. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And by fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. That's where the heart transplant starts, isn't it? Because we, we fear the Lord. We, and we begin to respect the Lord because of what he's doing with us. Individually, how he's taking care of us individually. We begin to love and respect the Lord for what he's doing. A lot of people need a heart transplant. I'll make sure I'm... Uh, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is a little with, with righteousness than great re revenues with... Uh, Without right. A man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directs his steps. When the Lord is with us and is guiding us and leading us through his word, our heart becomes more cleaner, pure, and righteousness begins to dwell in there. Proverbs, the 22nd chapter, beginning at just one verse, 15. Foolishness. Okay. <laughs> When we're, when we're dealing with children, we, we see this, don't we? Uh, it's kind of funny when, when grown-ups act this way, but it, uh, sometimes it's not so funny because they, they should have grown up. But we understand that it says here, foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. And I, I'm talking about loving correction to your children, bringing them up, nurturing them in, in the love. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But you, sometimes you do have to spank them um, to bring them into that. Proverbs is filled, full, full of these things, full of these uh, interesting and remarks and stuff. So if you were to do a study, you would have a long study. There's lots of words about the heart. And um, let's go to the heart and faith, Romans, the 10th chapter. The heart and faith. Matt gave us a really good message, so I'm not going to try to elaborate very much on this, but I, I wanted to bring this out. Romans, the 10th chapter. Oops, that's the wrong place. Romans, the 10th chapter, beginning in verse 5. For Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. Say not in your heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the, de from the dead. But what says it? The word is nigh unto you, even in your mouth, in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. <laughs> it's so plain that when God begins to work in our lives, begins to put that beautiful spirit within us, begins to open our eyes to see his word, begins to, to really make us excited about being in the kingdom of God. And I hope, I hope that when we go to the feast this year, there's a lot of information about the, the kingdom of God preached during the feast. Because that's, that's going to be, you know, it pictures the millennium. It pictures that time um, of peace and joy, also of, of rulership. We're going to be ruling. We'll have a responsibility. We have a place and a responsibility in the kingdom. So we understand that it's the, that heart, faith, which we preach. It comes from into the heart, from the word, that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. 
we weren't there, were we? We weren't any of the witnesses that stood um, when he was put on that cross. All we have is the historical perspective and the word of God. And yet, we believe. And we're blessed because of that belief. God has put it into our heart to understand that Christ resides at his right hand as our advocate, our high priest. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For there is no difference between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. That's why we, we can't have any, any um, 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 attitude towards those that are not white. <laughs> That's, God created all of mankind. They all have a heart beating in them. All men, no matter what color, have the same heart that we saw beating with inside of them. And if we believe that God created, which we do, <laughs> then there is no difference. Because that same heart beats. And in every soul, that heart, the spiritual heart, can be changed. We can understand that. We understand that it can be changed. And through faith, we understand that God works with us, guides us, and leads us. Now, let's see what verse that I finish up on. Verse 10, verse 11, For the Scripture says, Whosoever believes on him shall not, shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is over all, is rich unto all them that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call upon him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him if they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher. So that's what we're here for. To help you to understand what God is doing in every individual's heart. Hebrews, the fourth chapter. It's a wonderful work that God is doing. If we just open our eyes and see. Hebrews 4 and 12, beginning verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, Peace, piercing even the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit, and of the joints and the marrow. Man, it gets right down to it, doesn't it? And is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is, an, is a discern. It, it looks in. It's... <laughs> What would we call this? Uh, our heart monitor? I guess that's what this is, isn't it? We have, if we have this on all the time, we have this heart monitor on. We're protecting our heart. We got it. We got this heart monitor on, and it's and it's protecting our heart because we're we're listening to it. Oh, oh I, I got a. It's a, it's a little high. I need to bring it down a little bit. We go in, We go into the book, and the sword begins to help us to come back to. To reality. He says in, in, uh, in verse 13, Neither is there any creature, no one is exempt, brethren. <laughs> it's what the Bible says. None are exempt from God looking at their hearts. No one. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him whom we have to do. I'm sorry, brethren, but no matter who they think they are, God still has the power to look into their heart. And He still knows what's in their heart. And He knows if they're deceptive, if they're wicked, if they're evil, or if they're righteous and they're good. And they're doing good things. Because He's a discerner. And He uses a powerful sword to, to jab in that heart and look in there. It's the Word of God. All right, a couple of verses before we quit here. Just 
just real quickly here, 1 John 3 and verse 2. 1 John 3 and verse 2. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We will trade in this body, this heart, um, and all that goes with it, even though it's a marvel. God's created it. It's a marvel of what he's created. It's beautiful, but we're going to trade it in for a spiritual body and a spiritual heart. Remember what it said there in, in Genesis that God has a heart. And it grieved him in his heart that he saw what mankind was doing. And I'm wondering if he's not being grieved a little bit today in his heart. Understanding what we're doing in the society today. The mixing of races and the changes of nations and the different things that are going on. And, and um, I didn't mention one other thing. And I, I, I might mention this just real quickly. I want you to be watching the newsroom because some things are not being published very, easy, uh, very well by our mainstream media. And one of those is that we've had the Russians and the Chinese very close to our borders up in Alaska. And the other one, uh, I just read this one just recently, is now um, our aircraft carriers may become obsolete overnight. The Chinese have got an aircraft carrier bu uh, buster that they're building. You know, we use our aircraft carriers in, in situations in which there is a crisis, like in the Suez Canal, in different areas of, of the Middle East and, and, and other places like that, so that we can get our planes and stuff in there. But what if it, it becomes a, a mute point, and we know that they've got the power to overcome that? We're in a serious situation in the world. We don't, we don't really, you know, we, we live our lives and we don't really consider it, but there are a lot of things that are going on that we need to be really cognizant of. We need to get closer to God. We need to have our hearts uh, with God. Be prepared for things that might be coming. He says, every man that has this hope in himself purifies his hope, purifies himself even as he is pure. Even as God is pure, he, he purifies himself. And I, I would like to go back to that, one of the first scriptures that I gave, which was right there in Matthew, the fifth chapter. I, I, I want us to really feel like this is something that we want to, that, that we're very close to this, this part, this, this right here. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. 